Welcome to the Diving Pod. This is Todd Spahn, head coach for Santa Clara Diving. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. Um, just going to jump right in here, Todd. So first and foremost, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, we, we, when we first started this idea, um, there were two people that we immediately thought of. That we both kind of picked one. And one was uh, Dave McCown and the other was you. And, oh, really? and those were, yeah, those were the first two people that Aaron and I like instantly spit out of our mouth. And so we've been looking forward to this one kind of on pins and needles. So we're very excited to have you. Um, you know, I think when, when I first think of you, besides the diving coaching, that the way I kind of found out about you was your Instagram page. You do so good at sharing Instagram videos of diving from all around the world. You know, how do you go about finding all those videos and, and what, what's, spurned you to do that well i've always been big on video um i've you know um uh just my influence in the past like you know uh ron o'brien and uh just watching drew johansson and some of the top coaches how much they relied on video and i was just a very visual person uh to begin with uh i was a uh, communications major and did a lot of video projects and just have always you know that's been kind of my thing and just, I think I'm just a, a visual learner. And um, so when I was diving, I didn't have particularly um, expert coaching, but I supplemented that by, I would, I would record myself and set up the old video cameras back in the day on, you know, some type of tripod or whatever and record myself uh, diving. And then I would uh, record, I happened to grow up in Indianapolis. And, um, and so when they built the, uh, IUPUI facility. Uh, I was there when it was being constructed and I knew how to sneak into that pool because I was on the construction site figuring out how to get in there. And so I started hosting events back in the early eighties. I knew how to sneak in through the service elevators in different ways. And I got on the pool deck and got to rub elbows with all the top divers and coaches. And that's what got me all fired up about diving professionally. Um, I was just a high school diver at the time, but, um, I was going to IU diving camps, um, diving with Hobie during the summers and um, uh, just uh, had, had discovered diving recently. And just when they built that in my own backyard, it's like, you know, I've, I've got to, you know, get in there and find out what's going on with this world. I want to get down there and, you know, uh, get as close to it as I can. So, as I said, I learned how to get down there on the deck um, without the deck pass and, and got to hang out with the top coaches and, and divers. And um, that was kind of my uh, introduction to my passion for diving. Um, so once I was down there, I just would record a lot of the top divers. I think the 1982 National Sports Festival was the first meet that I recorded. And it was actually just on eight millimeter film. And uh, so I was just recording Greg Luganis and all the top divers in the country and at that time in the world. Um, and uh, so I would just watch them and watch them and watch them, the videos I took. And then I'd watch the videos I took of myself because that was when they came out with VHS around that period. Uh, early mid eighties. And so I was just like, just comparing myself and trying to imitate Greg Luganis and trying to figure out what he did. And uh, just that kind of got that going. And so when, um, as things progressed um, and I, uh, I went to college at Miami university in Ohio and uh, we had like the worst division one facility in Ohio. And it wasn't a very, you know, it wasn't a great uh, situation, but it was, it was fine. Um, but when I, graduated uh the swim coaches knew that um you know i was a pretty mature young man and that um uh that my coach had been leaving to pursue a doctorate at ohio state and so the position came open my former coach was leaving and so i applied for the job straight out of college at miami and got it straight out of college so like i went from one year being on the team to the next year coaching my former teammates so it's kind of a weird transition um but um uh, anyway, I just, the, the, the whole video thing, I just took that over and I just uh, have always been very much into video and I would use that in my coaching, I use it when I was a diver myself. And, um, you know, as things progressed, um, just, you know, recently when social media started really taking off, uh, probably around, I think probably 2019 or so as uh, junior nationals already done, started doing our Instagram account for our program a little bit. And um, at Junior Nationals, got a lot of footage, and I started putting it up. And um, I also had a, a huge library because I was such a visual learner. I just had a huge library of videos. I've always been a video collector, and um, luckily, I've had a lot of good relationships with all the top coaches around the country. 
um, and they've shared a lot of their videos. And so I just started throwing up a lot of my videos. Um, just um, first of all, is like I did uh, a video of the week. I did an inspirational yep. video of the week. Basically, it was the um, uh, our Instagram account and Facebook accounts were just uh, kind of about our club and our own divers on our club. But I started doing a weekly inspiration video where I put up an elite diver. And it just kind of grew from there. I started getting a lot of feedback um, from, from people that really liked what I was doing. And I just kind of started going more towards that end of things. I'm actually probably going to do a new Instagram account, just do our own kids and focus more on our phone, own program because it's kind of gone off on a tangent <laughs> towards elite um, to, to a degree. Um, um, so, but yeah, I, that's what, kind of what happened is I've had a, I've a huge uh, video library and uh, so I was just kind of sharing that. And as it grew and got more popular and more, you know, people that were high profile people in the sport started, you know, following it. Um, they started like, you know, offering up their videos. I would occasionally get on message them and say, hey, do you have a video of I like your diving? Could you send me something? And uh, just started kind of going from there. So now I get quite a few people actually send me their videos that are you know, top divers in the world um you know send me their own videos so it's it's cool because i don't have to solicit all the time sometimes they just you know shoot me their latest stuff um but it's kind of grown from there and now it's it's become easier because they're helping you know I, I, my my library of stuff that i think would be really interesting uh is kind of sh uh, getting a little uh low because i've already posted a lot of it but now i'm starting to get a lot of new stuff from from current divers who are, you know want to share their their diving as well and that's all great because as i said i was a very visual learner so I'm thinking everyone else would like to do that too. And, and it helps the whole, I feel like it helps the whole um, community uh, to grow. The more they watch good technique, it helped me a lot. And I thought, you know, if I share this, uh, it helped grow the sport. I mean, you know, probably another 10, 15 years of my career left in the sport. And so I want to just uh, start, you know, giving back and, and sharing um, things that, you know, really inspired me. That's, that's incredible, man. That's, I love that. That's so cool. Um, off the top of my head, I just had one just kind of offshoot question. After seeing so many divers and so many dives, do you have somebody that you like watching? Like you, like maybe it, maybe it's not Andrew Capobianco. Maybe it's not Greg Luganis. Is there somebody that you've come across that you just, I, I just like watching them. They're, they're, they're my kind of diver. I like to watch. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, you know, certainly Luganis, um, Luganis, uh, most of the top divers, I, I really enjoy watching, but, you know, Luganis was a big one. You know, right now, I really like, you know, Martin Wolfram. Um, he was one of our first yeah. people he, a while back. I think our first post I did of him was doing a reverse three and a half at the 2012 Olympics. And I just complimented him on how this is like the most beautiful tuck I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, so many people flatten their feet and split their tucks and his, his tuck was just gorgeous. And it's just, I kind of wish that, diving would move that direction more the, towards aesthetics and not allow the flat feet, not allow the big slit tucks. And, and uh, just how aesthetic that was, I complimented him and he like seemed very generally flattered. And I, I just really appreciated that, you know, he was so humble and couldn't believe that I was, you know, complimenting him on his tuck when there were so many good people in the, in the world that can do good tucks. He said, I, I, I just said, I believe you have the best tuck. And I also think I did that with uh, Tyler Downs. He did, yep. uh, I did a lot of recording of him in 2019 at Mission Viejo at the world at the, I'm sorry, at the Grand Prix meet. Uh, I've been following Tyler quite a bit, um, but uh, he did probably what I think is the best front one half pike has ever been done in the history of the sport on one meter. I said that in my post and, you know, Tyler and uh, Martin and Luganis just, I love, love the aesthetic side of it. I mean, the people that can do it and do it beautifully. Uh, it's cool to see really hard tricks done and, you know, really hard dives done. But, you know, people can maintain the aesthetics of and have, you know, beautiful toe point, even in tucks. A lot of people flatten their feet and that drives me nuts. Um, so it's just nice to see people that can really, you know, put it all together. Uh, and, and so those are the people I tend to gravitate towards most. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know, you're actually anytime I get new athletes into into our lessons group, the first thing I tell them to do when they leave the first practice, I go follow Santa Clara diving. I said, <laughs> I'm a big like kind of like you said, like. I just like getting on there and scrolling through and I just, I find myself getting lost on your Instagram page and I'm like, I'm just going to watch a couple videos <laughs> and it's like, it's 1am and I have to get up at 6am. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think that that was something hearing you kind of talk about getting to, to get the, the video library from other top coaches. 
Um, I was telling Aaron this actually, cause he's coming to, to visit in a month or so. Um, I was fortunate that when I went to um, help with Duke Nunzio shared his video library with me. And I was like, he's like, you do whatever you want with it. Just copy it. And I like, remember I went to Best Buy and bought two hard drives and copied it all. I'm like, and I like, there's still videos on it. I haven't watched. And I think it, it just was, so, it meant so much to me whenever yeah. a coach shared that with me. Cause it's like, Hey, use this and learn. And, and I think it's neat to hear other coaches get, ex- you know, someone like you that we look up to gets just as excited as I did and, oh, yeah. and kind of ner- nerds out over diving. For sure. <laughs> so it's very, sure. very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. This is, this is my 35th year of coaching. I started in 86 at Miami um, coaching full time. And so it's, it's certainly been my passion. And um, yeah, I just, I just post what I find interesting. I, you know, if I think it's beautiful and, you know, makes me say, wow, you know, I'm going to, that's what I try to put on, you know, sometimes this gets a little hard. I try to keep it fairly balanced between, you know, female, male, I try to alternate um, those posts. And sometimes it's a little hard to, you know, dig and find something really good on that day. But, you know, in general, I try to come up with the best possible thing I can find uh, without, you know, trying to, you know, and still have yeah. a keep a day job. <laughs> yep. so. Yeah. So, um, so I have a question, actually, you know, you said you went from being an athlete at Miami of Ohio to being a coach. Um, and, yeah. I, and I asked the same question to Chris Colwell. So I'm in a situation where this upcoming season will be my first season at my alma mater um, yeah. coaching now. What was that like for you becoming the coach at your alma mater? And also kind of a second question, were you there when they got the new facility? Yes. Yeah, so, um, yes. Yeah, so the pool, I think, was built in 1956, the original one I trained in. Uh, I trained in there from 82 to 86. And I started coaching in 86. I was there until 2006. Um, so, uh, I, I, cool transition was, you know, it was certainly challenging, but the, the divers all knew that I was, you know, really into the sport and we kind of coached each other anyway, uh, as athletes, um, my senior year, junior year. Um, so they were all, you know, we were all comfortable with each other and, and had a good relationship and, uh, because they respected me and I respected them, they, you know, helped with the incoming freshmen kind of, you know, create the good culture there and, it went pretty well. My, it was kind of weird though, is actually one of the people on my team. Uh, my first team was my brother. My, so I was coaching my brother, my brother's two years younger than me. And he, I actually ended up coaching him for, you know, a year or two, um, as an athlete, um, after I became the coach. Um, but yeah, the, the tra- transition went relatively well. I was, I was not a big party or anything. I wasn't out to go, you know, go mix up with the kids. At, so it wasn't anything any, any inappropriate. And they, some coaches do that when they hired me, that I was going to be the type of person that's going to like go off the rails and have issues like that as far as maturity and stuff. Um, they just knew I loved the sport and I was a student of the sport and that I wanted to be the best I could. Um, and at first, honestly, um, as an athlete, you kind of have control over things like you're diving and stuff. And it's hard to make that transition from athlete to coach sometimes because you can't control what other people do. And it took me a few years to start falling in love with coaching as much as I did being an athlete. I loved diving, but it took me, uh, you know, three or four or five years before I started like really going, wow, I like coaching even more than being an athlete. I mean, it, 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 it took a while. Um, but you know, once I got there is like, you know, I, I, just, I really enjoyed it and loved it and, um, wanted to do everything I could to be the best coach I could. Um, I had, you know, occasional issues with, I had, I was coached by a part-time coach, um, when I was at Miami and, um, Sometimes we come up to locked doors, the facilities and, and, and things like that. And so I'm always very punctual and I always want to make sure I'm on top of my game and know what I, I want to know that I'm one of the most technically sound coaches around so that I can guide the kids effectively. I don't want to feel like I'm dropping the ball as their coach. I want to, you know, make sure that I know how to guide them in the most effective way to become the best they can be. And so that's kind of been the driving force and, you know, trying to make sure I'm on top of my game technique wise if there's something new out there, I want to know what it is and not feel like I'm a, a dinosaur. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that kind of coaching transition resonates for me as well. Um, I'm still trying to crawl out of that. Hey, let me just get on the board and show you because number one, my body is starting to not like that anymore. <laughs> um, but number two, like I know that I don't do things perfectly and if I just get up and do a back dive top, I can, I can still rip it, but yeah. I know I dip my shoulders back and I know I'm not in an exact perfect position. So that transition you were talking about, 
I feel like I'm coming on the other side of that now where I truly feel like I'm way more valuable on the pool deck than I am on the board now. And it's, yeah, it's cool to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one I had here for you, what in your coaching, in your coaching at Santa Clara diving club and, and before that, what's something that either makes you comfortable or something that you stand out? What do you do well that, you know, you have this task in front of you, you have a dive in front of you and you say, all right, this is, this is my bread and butter. Here we go. Um, you mean, what do I feel most comfortable with? Like what do I feel my strengths are as a coach or. Yeah. Or... Yep. Yep. Strengths as a coach. Um, I, for some reason I've always, uh, even though I'm kind of an introvert, I feel like I'm, I relate well with people, especially one-on-one and they, um, uh, my personality type is such that I feel like I instantly seem to established a, um, a mutual trust, um, a mutual respect. And they, um, I feel like disconnecting, disconnecting with my athletes. Um, it's like, we're all, uh, we all instantly get this rapport where, um, they know that I have their best interests at heart and they're going to do what they can to, you know, to, you know, work together as a team that, you know, the, the athlete and myself to, um, you know, take them to as high as they can go in their sport and, I feel like uh, just that connection, that trust, building trust, for some reason, uh, they, they tend to trust me right away. Um, I'm able to gain trust quickly. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I think just that I'm kind of laid back. I don't push real hard. I'm not, uh, I feel like I am good at challenging my athletes without making them feel, you know, uh, like they're being asked to do something they can't do. I'm good at, you know, earning that trust. And so, um, you know, I think, that's probably the number one thing is I'm able to establish that and their trust quickly. And they, um, I, I feel like I've got entire, uh, a very good culture at Santa Clara where everyone's having fun. Everyone's, uh, knows that they're, um, that I'm doing all that I can to you know help them improve. And, and I, I feel like, um, it's, it's, it's a very much a family. It's a, everyone feels comfortable and knows that, um, you know, we're going to have fun, but we're going to get a lot of, you know, good, valuable work done and that Todd's done his homework and he's going to uh, help them get as good as they can be as effectively as they can be. Um, we, we don't, I feel like we don't train as much as some other, uh, you know, teams or programs, um, especially, you know, like we, for a while there with COVID, we were training like, you know, three days a week for 45 minutes each training session. Wow. You know, it's like, so we, we had, you know, we had uh, three days a week for a while where it was just 45 minutes per practice. And somehow at that level, we were still able to keep getting better, you know, day in, day out. Um, so it was, it was, it was very cool. Um, uh, oh, um, actually, I see that my, uh, I'm sorry, I see that my uh, battery is about to die on this. Uh, let me, let me, I want to have to um, do something to keep the, the uh thing going here okay you're yeah okay. you gotta plug okay. in yeah i need to put a plug in hold on one second yep you're fine no problem <clears throat> so honestly aaron this might be a good time to um we can mention that job opening yeah so, absolutely um, i got an email from uh from my head swim coach from st cloud state and he had mentioned that there is a job opening at uh, northern michigan i don't know if it's been filled to this point my knowledge is that it is still open so um, dive coaching job available up in Northern Michigan, uh, Division II program. Again, if anybody's interested, just go check out their website. I'm sure the, the, uh, the links and everything is pretty straightforward to find if you want to apply for that job and maybe, uh, maybe be the new Northern Michigan coach. And we'll try to do a little bit better maybe the next off season whenever there are some coaching changes of letting the community know what coaching jobs are opening. Um, that that's something that can help let community members know in the diving community. Hey, there's some college jobs or club jobs or anything opening. Um, we'll try to let everybody know. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and just a little note as well, as much as I love hearing from everybody and we all do, you know, you can, uh, you can kind of do your own homework on that one and you can feel free to apply. You know, we don't need to be the, the middleman if you try to get a job out there. So. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Sorry. I'm back. No, you're, you're okay. Hey, that, that was actually really good timing. So <laughs> it worked perfect. <laughs> um, you know, just to kind of pick up what you were talking about with your, with your team culture and, 
one, I think it's quite incredible that somehow you're able to have three practices a week for 45 minutes and the kids are still improving. I mean, that I don't even know what to say. That that's incredible. But um, it you said it earlier. You really seem to be a student of the sport. Even you know, I think you said you're 35 years into the into the sport yeah. of coaching. You know, maybe you you had said like if you find that new technique, what's like a new technique you've been seeing in the last few years? that you're trying to implement with your athletes? Um, let's see. I mean, certainly just the different variations of hop hurdles, you know, looking, trying to figure out, you know, what's the most effective one, trying to decide that, you know, it's, it's still a lot of experimenting, um, just different ways to move the board more effectively and maintain balance and control, yet, you know, maximize the, the board movement so you go as high as you can in your hurdle to make the dives easier. Um, and, um, you know, I know that I think Huber, uh, Jeff Huber, uh, when he wrote his book, talked about you know, what he called a head pop, where the head's up as you throw on fronts and inwards, keeping the head more upright. Um, so that's been something I've been, you know, working a little more with my athletes, trying to, you know, uh, experiment with that and see how much that seems to contribute to, you know, uh, improving the rotating and, and, and generating somersault on fronts and inwards. Um, I, th I think those are probably the main things I can think of. Um, a lot of it um, is just little, little subtleties I kind of pick up. Um, you know, I feel like I've known good technique for many, many years, but every year I feel like I get better because I keep trying new things and come up with new drills and new ways of doing things and find some, some, if there's some common problem that I have with my athletes, I, um, I'm always trying to find a, a new way to address that. And so it seems like every year I come up with some, some new drill or new way to, um, you know, take learning in that area. One thing that I've noticed, and it might be Martin, correct me if I'm wrong, but on his backs and gainers, I've noticed when he kicks, he's almost kicking in a pike. It looks like yeah. he's piking out of back yes. and reverse. Yes. I, I talk about that. What, what's, yeah, for, I, for that's sure. So foreign to me. For sure. Um, yeah. Um, I had, um, yeah, I had gone back and forth. There, there are a couple of different techniques, actually. Um, one is that the, the extreme pike outs of a lot of the top divers, you know, Martin has the most extreme of all of them. Um, I don't think I've seen anyone else go into a more compact pike. I think David Badaya was the most, um, was the first person that stood out doing a pike come out um i re recorded him back in 2011 at the senior national championships and just really watched how much he was piking out of his reverse one halves on three meter platform getting ready to take his reverse three and a half up and uh so that's where i first started like picking up on it um and then um colin pollard is one of my uh former athletes at santa clara net he also coached for me and he dived at um USC and Cal Berkeley. But when he went to, when he transferred to USC, he started working with Hong Ping um, and Hong Ping really emphasized the pike out also. So between just what I observed and knowing, you know, trusting Hong Ping's eye also, I, that's, I kind of bought in uh, to the, the pike out. I always already had been teaching it to some degree, but when I knew Hong Ping was also on the same page as I was on the pike out and that Colin was emphasizing that when he was coaching, cause that's what Hong Ping taught him. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was just kind of buying in that, you know, that's, that's gotta be the best way. I, I think it was, um, I don't know if you know who uh, Vince Panzano was. He's the former Ohio state coach um, before Justin, but he um, used to say some kind of quote, like diving coasts are like lemmings. They'll like follow, you know, they'll follow whatever. So like, as soon as someone finds out some new thing that seems to work, it's like everyone just like starts copying it. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, there is definitely some of that, um, you know, I don't, I can't explain all, all the time as far as biomechanics, why to do something, but I just know that it works. Um, and, and, uh, so, you know, it is, there is a lot of that copying going on among coaches. I, I don't know that any of the coaches really know, you know, can explain like, definitely that this is what works and why and it has to be this way and you know i think almost any technique will work if you just train it long enough you can make almost any technique you know work as far as kicking directly from tuck to straight versus a pike out but i do like uh the pike kick out it's kind of like when you're doing fronts and inwards if you pike out 
you know, you, things slow down. You can look over your toes. You kind of see where you are. Things slow down. You can see where you are. You got to orient yourself before you commit to the entry. Uh, same thing with backs and reverses. If you hike out and you can see things slow down and you see your spot more clearly. And uh, it, I think it gives you better awareness. Um, I think the whole idea is to like spin as fast as you can, put a pike out on the end and kind of slow things down so you can see that final spot and better gauge where to place your feet um, so you can be more accurate on the come out. So it, it, I think the pike out, I try to start teaching pike outs on all categories um, and, and, and treat them kind of the similar way. Just you're going from tuck to a compact open pike and then slowly, you know, then, then press out at the hips um, and, and use that pike out to help, you know, get a better look at that final spot and be more accurate where you place your feet or, or, yeah. you know, for water. Huh. I, it's really cool. I, I, I was excited to hear you talk about that after you had mentioned you'd watched a lot of Martin's diving, because again, this is really, really new to me. And I saw that and it just, I mean, from, from my perspective, it just looks goofy because it's new and it's different yeah. and it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess right now is pretty, it's a exciting time in USA diving, not with, not only with just the Olympics upcoming, but, you know, we just had our zone meets happen. Now we're getting ready for USA nationals. Um, and I'm going through that right now with an athlete. And it's really my first experience going from regionals to zones to nationals. How do you handle that as such a successful club coach to, to get those athletes to get, get in that training cycle where they peak at the right time and prepare them? You know, um, I feel like in some respects, I, I feel like I'm, um, there are probably a lot of coaches out there that are better than me on the, on the psychological and on the, the period periodization and, uh, preparing divers for, for competition. I, you know, in general, I just feel like, uh, I keep lack of fun. We miss out too much. We just, you know, try to focus on doing the best that we can and just doing what we do in practice. And I just keep, stay focused on that. I'm not necessarily trying to peak them for the meet. It just happens. We just, we train like that. We train high quality diving year round. Um, I think a lot of people like start like with a, you know, start kind of rough and like do a lot of, um, oh, a lot of skill work and different things. And we do do some of that in the, you know, earlier in the season, but, you know, in general, we just train at a relatively high quality all year round. I don't like, um, I don't do what, what a lot of coaches do. I think as far as, you know, doing a lot of really, um, organized, uh, planning on this is going to be this, uh, these few weeks and I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this transition to this next phase where we train this way. And we're going to do this, this emphasis. Um, I basically just, we just train lists, but I tried to break it down with some, some variety here and there and do a lot of, you know, breakdowns of the skills. Um, but there, um, it, it, I know that some coaches, um, will do like, they'll just do like standing stuff and they'll do triple bounce stuff only. And then they won't add hurdles till very late in the season and all that type of thing. And some of that's interesting. And I do a little bit of that, but um, honestly, I I'm, I'm not that organized as far as the way I, I don't think it has to go that way. And I've had a lot of success just, you know, um, basically training lists, but breaking down skills when things aren't going well, I just break down the skills and we do, um, uh, you know, um, if it's the entry, we just work a little bit more entry work on it or that, you know, take off the connection. We do a little more work on that, but, um, you know, in general, um, uh, that's, that's, um, I don't really do something to train, you know, that's different between regionals, zones, nationals. It's pretty much just kind of just keep doing what we're doing and have fun doing it and, and, uh, stay focused on what makes the dive work. Uh, it's my training is very different. I think, um, I know that Buck Smith is a good friend of mine. He's at the Eastern Michigan university. Yeah. And um, he is all about work and putting and grinding and doing, you know, this many reps to, you know, and I think I drove him crazy when we were in the same conference because I, we always trained a lot less than they did. Um, and, um, and it, it, I think it upset him <laughs> that, I, that we got the, the results we did with not working as many reps of every dive. Um, but um, I, I just really focus on quality all the way around. Like we just are always, trying to do high quality dives, if they can get up on the board and knock out, um, uh, you know, a, a high quality dive, I just say, go on, let's go to the next dive, next dive, next dive. And that's how we were able to train in 45 minutes and get through, a, yeah. we get up through a full list, balls and ops in 45 minutes. Um, now, because of COVID, uh, the reason why we're doing that way is because the city that we, uh, city of Santa Clara would only let us train one diver per piece of equipment um, per workout. 
and they limited us to 45 minutes for each of those workouts. We had to rotate in and out of the facility every 45 <laughs> minutes. And so we had one diver on each board for 45 minutes and we had five diving boards. And so it was five divers, uh, three on uh, one meter and two on three meters. We have three, one meters two three meters. And we just had one diver on the board for 45 minutes and we could get through, we got through more in that 45 minutes than we used to get through in two hours and 15 minutes before, because we'd have sure. eight people in the group and they'd get in and out of a hot tub and just how it's cold in Northern California during the winters. And just, <laughs> you know, it's kind of trained. It kind of changed the way I look at, you know, our, our training and what we can do to be effective and how much we can get through in a short period of time if we're focused and, and get down to business. Um, but as I said, I, I, I am, uh, unique i think in that i we do a lot less reps i think than most other divers that that's so fascinating to me and it's it's really neat for us to hear you know throughout our interviews um matt instantly comes to mind matt o'neill from up at harvard he's real big yeah. on periodization and i think it's great for not only myself aaron but people that are going to listen like hey this isn't a one-size-fits-all like different styles work for different kids and and i i as an athlete probably was coached more by someone more similar to you where it's like, Hey, we expect good diving all the time. And sometimes that meant, Hey, we did three of each of our dives. They were great. You got out of the water. It was an hour and 10 minutes. And sometimes you couldn't figure out reverses and we did 15 of them <laughs> and yeah. you did a back lineup tuck in between each one. And, and it's like, and I think that like reinforces that hey, do what works for you. If it's working, you know, and your athletes believe in it. It sounds like you, you mentioned it earlier. It sounds like you have the right culture and your kids just, they're like, Todd says it, it's going to work. Let's go. Yeah. I, 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 I don't feel like um, it's something I set out to do. It's just somehow um, when I was at Miami working with my college drivers, when I was at, I was at mission Viejo for almost five years. And I was I've been up here 10 years now. Uh, just the culture, I come in and it's like the culture kind of comes uh, along with me. Somehow they, the way I interact with athletes, it starts building. And pretty soon the current divers, you know, they, the new divers see the current divers, you know, buying into what Todd's doing and it kind of goes from there. And um, it's just kind of a mutual respect thing. And um, they know I really care about them genuinely. And they just, you know, kind of turn themselves over to me and just, you know, trust me to guide them. And they just, they are, you know, just very supportive and respectful and they give a hundred percent. And uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. It makes coaching a joy. Um, and as I said, it's, you know, generally where I'm only training, we're only training like, you know, usually three or one hit, like we'll do three of each dive or one hit. And if they can focus and get on the dive the first time up there and hit the dive on the first dive, we just move on. But I know, you know, I talked like Rick Schiavone, who was the coach at Stanford before Pat Jeffrey um, back in, you know, 2013, 2012, I was hanging out with him a lot. because we we're only 20 minutes away from us. And he was saying he was having, uh, Cassidy Krug train 20 of each optional at practice. And I was like, that seems, wow. wow. That is, he's the exact <laughs> end, opposite end of the spectrum. And he was saying there was no decrease in the quality of our dives after doing 20 of each. It wasn't like they got worse or, you know, he could, she could maintain high quality diving at that level. And that that's, that's quite a testament. Uh, I don't know if our divers could do that because we don't train that volume, but they are able to step up on the board and, and do a high quality dive without feeling like they have to warm up a lot or do a lot of preps or anything like that. Like our divers from my club, I feel like can just get up there and, and go and do a nice high quality dive. Cause that's what we do in training every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to ask, were you, uh, were you more nervous as a diver or a coach? Um, I feel like, um, I, I think as a diver, um, I feel like I, I was a good diver. Um, I was a consistent diver. I wasn't, I had bad feet. My feet didn't point very well. I had poor hamstring flexibility. My pike was horrible, but I could rip. Um, and, uh, I got pretty consistent, but I felt like I was often diving not to fail instead of diving, like to do a great dive. I was, I was just like trying to just be cautious and like, just do what I need to do to land on my head and get straight up and down. And it was, I had the wrong mindset. Um, I started doing some master's diving a little bit after I retired and, you know, um, and uh, that's, you know, over 25, age 25, there are master's competitions where you go to. And it was, you know, obviously because no pressure, it's just kind of a bunch of guys or girls, you know, getting around and uh, older people just trying to compete and see if they can put something together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got more in the mindset of just going for the dive, going, you know, going for a 10, going for the most perfect dive I could and being 
more, much more uh, assertive in my diving. It felt very freeing, um, uh, you know, but I never did that as an, as an, you know, athlete in college or high school. I thought I was always just diving, not to fail. Um, like just trying to just get on my head and not embarrass myself. It was too much of that mindset at that time. Um, but you know, I did experience more of the, you know, going for it, not feeling, you know, as a master's diver, I felt like I started going for my dives and, um, and it, it was a very freeing thing. I think, you know, if divers can get in that mindset, it's definitely a good place to get. Um, and, uh, I feel like my divers are much better competitors than I ever was. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fun now. It used to be nerve wracking. As I said, when I first transitioned, you feel like you have no control over your athletes. And I didn't feel like I was a very accomplished coach at the time. And so like, I'm an incompetent person trying to help guide these people, you know, and, and so it, it is nerve wracking because, you know, you don't, you feel like you can't really help them. You're, you're um, not a very accomplished coach. You don't have a lot of confidence, you know, a ton of confidence in yourself at that point when you're first starting out and you're trying to figure it out. And, um, but as years go on, I've, you know, just become more and more just relaxed because I feel like I know what's going to happen. I, I know my athletes, I know um, that they feel comfortable and they're going to be okay. And, um, I remember, um, Dick Kimball, who was the coach of Michigan was a famous Olympic coach. Um, he's one that taught me, uh, spotting belt spotting, um, back when we first started, but he used to just talk about, you know, some days, uh, certain, you know, he had coached both club and college at Michigan. And he said, some days your college, your club divers save you. And sometimes your college divers save you. Like if you coach uh, a pretty good, good sized group, you know, some, some people, some people in your workout are going to have a good, good day. You have some divers that have a bad day and some divers are going to have a good day. And you just have to kind of, you know, uh, realize that, you know, if you can come out of the practice and most people had a good practice, that's, that's a good day. And, you know, don't, don't get too, you know, don't be yourself up, up too much. If not everyone has a good day, you know, sometimes you know, people have an all day, but you know, as time I've had fewer and fewer bad days. I mean, every, I feel like most days are good days. Uh, almost, uh, every time I feel like it's rare now to have anyone that like takes a bad hit on a dive and has a bad smack or, um, you know, occasionally hits a board. Like that's very, very rare. It becomes more and more rare as my career goes on. And so I'm enjoying it more and more and more. Cause I thought, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where I, I feel more mastery of what I've done. Like my, my, uh, all the years I've put in are like, uh, you know, paying off all the, all the dues I've paid are kind of paying off. And now, there's a really good culture, um, you know, and, and just fewer mishaps happen. And I feel more confident in how to guide people when things come up because I've had more experience. So all that kind of adds up. That's, that, that's awesome. You know, um, how much time would you say you spend outside of coaching your practice or, you know, if you deal with parents, how much time do you spend watching diving and trying to learn from it? How do you take the time to learn? It sounds like you do a lot of video replay but how do you take time for yourself to improve and to set time aside to work on those new techniques and things like that? Um, hmm. I mean, whenever, basically I, I consider my job kind of a, a hobby job. I mean, it's, I, I do it cause I love it. You know, I'm sure most coaches feel the same way. Um, I, I'm in it, you know, obviously not for the money I'm doing it for because I kind of love it. And so whenever I have spare time, I often am, you know, just looking at video, I, I always, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, I know my wife and other people probably look and go like, how can you keep watching the same dives, the same, you know, videos, you know, what good technique is. Why do you keep watching? It's like, it's the subtleties. It's finding the edge. It's finding like the little, um, anomalies or the things that kind of stand out or, you know, what somehow, I, um, it's gotten to the point where it's never boring for me. It's, you know, I'm always looking for, um, you know, what, what's going to kind of give me an edge or if there's some subtlety and what's going on technique wise that I can work with my athletes on that most coaches don't know, you know, um, that, that kind of, I guess, drove me. I wanted to make sure that I thoroughly understood technique because I felt like I had good coaches, but I didn't have, you know, really technically um, knowledgeable coaches. They knew the general coaching, but I feel like I really wanted to feel like I knew exactly what great technique looked like and really study it. And, uh, so that my divers could feel like they could, they knew that I knew my stuff as our coach, I really knew what was going on. I knew what good technique was. And so, uh, it gave me greater confidence and it made, made them feel like, uh, you know, 
Todd knows what he's talking about. So I'm going to put my trust in him and, and do what he's asked me to do. So, yeah. yeah. That's, I, I, that? I, it's hard to say how much, how many hours I don't I, I'd say probably, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm watching video. I'm cause I'm doing this, the Instagram posts and stuff. I'm, I'm doing at least, you know, looking at several dives a, a day, but uh, I'm not, unless I'm like on a plane ride going to a meet or something like that, then I get, you know, some hours like really pour over stuff, but you know, I'm always getting at least a, a few dives in a day just watching elite technique. That's awesome. What about, has there ever been a, a skill or a particular technique that you just couldn't, you couldn't get it for a little bit and you finally had that, that aha moment or anything that sticks out as a coach that you really struggled with and it took a little bit for you to kind of overcome? Um, I think it took me the longest to figure out hurdles and to figure out twisting. Um, I feel like uh, I, I know in some of your podcasts that you've talked about, like what's been your biggest failure or what, you know, um, I wouldn't say it was a failure, but I feel like it was one of those frustrating things. Cause I feel like I had some very talented athletes, um, my first few years of coaching at Miami that, I didn't know how to teach a good hurdle. I didn't know how to correct a good hurdle. I didn't know how to, what the, how to guide them very well. I didn't know how to correct a square out problem with their twister or initiating the twist. Um, I knew basics, but I didn't know, I didn't have all the experience I have now. And I just really want to get a time machine and go back and redo those. Cause there, I had some <laughs> very talented athletes that could have been phenomenal, but I felt like I was, I did a disservice to them. And that kind of drives me uh, even today, I feel like I just want to make sure that I'm never doing a disservice to whatever athlete walks in the door. I can help them get better. I'm not going to like, um, you know, let them wallow in, in mediocrity. I really want them to get the best they can. Um, and so that, you know, as I said, the, the hurdle and the twist took a long time, probably took 10 or 15 years before I felt like I really knew my stuff that way. Um, uh, the other stuff was relatively um, quick for the two that took the longest to get uh get the confidence with sure i'm gonna go right into my signature question because you kind of uh, <laughs> you, you almost did it for me there i i am gonna reword it though we're gonna give he please help me yeah. with the name is it yaya 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 from wisconsin he sent yeah. us an email he said hey here's a good verbiage for this question i used to ask what's your favorite failure failures a pretty harsh word. I mean, it exists in our sport, but we're all very positive. And he, he, he helped me. He said in life you win or you learn. So what is your best learning experience? Hmm. My best learning experience. Um, Hmm. I, you know, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I feel like I learn all the time. I feel like that's kind of one of the things that, you know, even like Dave McCown pointed out uh, recently, we had a, he did a post on me. We saw each other at 2019 junior nationals and he did a post talking about how I was still very passionate about the sport and how, you know, he really, that's probably the reason why we clicked so much is because we both are very passionate about the sport. Um, but um, I feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to learn. I'm constantly, that's what, makes me feel like young and involved and, and, uh, really engaged in the sport is, um, that I feel like I learn every single day. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say what the, that learning experience would be, but, uh, just every day trying to get better, trying to, trying to, um, find a new drill, a new way of doing things. I mean, I think for me, um, as far as techniques that I use often is, um, there is a, um, I remember I went to one of my first, um, clinics I went to as a new coach was Ron O'Brien, uh, who was Luganus's coach, um, had a clinic down at mission Bay, which is now no longer exists, uh, in Florida. And it was an international meet in 1987 and John Wingfield, the Olympic coach and I both met there. We were both starting our college or I'm sorry, our coaching career there. And, um, O'Brien said that one of his techniques that he uses that he really used a lot was overcorrection. And so like, basically that's one of the main things I do with my coaching is I try to overcorrect. Like if someone does, if someone's always short on something, we work on just train it till it's always long or you just try to do whatever the opposite of the tendency is. Um, if someone gets too close on a dive, I'll put them in the belts and make sure that they make sure that moving it out to good distance. Um, just 
whatever that that issue is, if they overtwist, we undertwist, you know, and that, that seems very common sense, but um, um, it's it is very central to my coaching is is just uh, trying to overcorrect whatever the tendency is. We work to the opposite end of the spectrum and try to get code to that direction more. And a lot of that just involves getting them in, in belts on dry board um, and trying to make corrections there. Um, you know, just get them, get them in belts or get them in some type of safe environment uh, to try to, you know, get them comfortable enough to make the change and, uh, you know, just trying to steer them away from whatever that negative tendency is in their, their diving. But yeah, I, I'm, I didn't really address your question directly, but um, yeah, I, I feel like I try to learn every day and I don't really have, I can't think of anything that's, um, you know, the, the learning experience that uh, jumps out at me, but um, you know, as far as, as far as this learning in general, I feel like I'm trying to get better every day. And I feel like I, every season I can mark something I central that I learned that season that makes a difference and makes me a better coach for the next season. Yeah. Love it. I mean, that makes total sense. That's perfect. So one question I have before I ask you kind of my, my main questions is, so you coached collegiately for 20 years, and then you made yeah. a transition to go out West, you know, yeah. one, what, what is it like comparing the two college coaching to club coaching and two, you know, what, what um, motivated you to make that change? That seems like a pretty drastic change being in the college world for 20 years. Yes. Um, so I, as I said, I was at my alma mater coaching for 20 years. I was planning on just spending my whole career there. Um, but when I met my wife, um, she was originally from California. We were both, uh, Miami students. Uh, we both went to Miami and met in Oxford, uh, Ohio. Um, but she was originally from California and just, uh, I think the Midwest winters were kind of wearing on her and she said, if there's ever an opportunity for you to take a job in California, would you at least think about it? We uh, um, loved so much that helped kind of pushed our daughter to look at schools out there. And so um, she, my, our daughter was uh, wanted to be an artist. And so we got her hooked up uh, at uh, Laguna College of Art and Design in Laguna Beach. And so when we took her to college, um, dropped her off at school, um, um, the Mission Viejo uh, facility was nearby and that was kind of an iconic uh, place where Ron O'Brien had developed all these world champions and so forth. And I just wanted to stop by the pool as long as I was that close as out in California. So I stopped by the pool and they said, Hey, we don't have a head coach. Would you be interested in? So it just kind of fell in my lap. And so we were planning to just drop our daughter off of college, but I, we ended up moving out there and following her out to California. And my wife was, you know, much happier, you know, being out, seeing the blue skies and the green grass and the mountains and the ocean and all that type of stuff, which she was missing in the Midwest. Um, so it, that's, that's what took me from there. Um, and, and I was, I'd already been there for 20 years and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you kind of reached a point where it's like, I've been doing this for a long time. I could just stay comfortable and stay in this place, but it, it you know, sometimes uh, it just kind of sounds good to like change things up and let's get, try something new and challenge yourself and do uh, something a little, a little different. So when I came out to interview for the job, it's like, you know, I'm just going to take, take this risk. And I know my wife, my wife's going to be happier. And, and, uh, I, I, I'm up for a new, new thing. I, I don't like a lot of things about college coaching. So it's kind of nice to kind of step out here and try this. I'd coach a little club back at uh, Miami you know, on the side. And, um, I like the security of college coaching. I liked having the smaller numbers of college coaching. You just have a, you know, a handful of athletes to, to be in charge of. Um, but, it was, it was kind of challenging. I think just to kind of um, when kids go off to college, they kind of uh, some of them, some of them uh, after, you know, finally not having any parental direct supervision, they kind of lose their minds and go crazy. And uh, you're kind of that, uh, uh, that parent away from home. Uh, and um, sometimes it, it kind of wears on you and get some calls like, Hey, the, your, your diver set up this couch on fire on the porch of this house and whatever, whatever the case might be to just some, some of that, uh, you know, kind of got kind of old and just, um, a lot of the bureaucracy of, of, you know, working through colleges and trying to get things done sometimes got uh, wore on me a little bit and just the install manual, just having to do all the, the documentation of contacts and evaluations and taking all the rules tests. Uh, th those were the things that kind of, you know, were the downside of college coaching. I loved, you know, working with the athletes. Um, but, uh, when I had started coaching club, it's just, um, 
really, really nice to, on the plus side also with college, you don't have to deal with parents that much. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> yeah. parents are less of an issue. The parents are less of an issue. Um, so on one side, they're, they're not uh, able to, you know, you've got to take over the, the parent role in some ways uh, away from home uh, as a college coach. But on the other side, you don't have to deal with parents who are sometimes are over controlling or, or have their own things they want to say about how things are done. Uh, you know, in, in club coaching, the parents are more involved. But um, over time, I feel like um, it's, it's something that uh, I've, I, I find uh, more enjoyable because uh, club coaching, you get them for a lot longer time. You get them from like age eight to 18, you get 10 years instead of four years. Um, and it's just fun to build an athlete from the first time on the board all the way up um, and uh, try to make the, you know, help, help guide that development so that their fundamentals are so sound and, and take them as far as they can, can go. And just taking pride in trying to craft uh, a, a, you know, a, a well-trained athlete as best you can. Um, so that, you know, when they do go off to college, they're, they're, um, you know, they're going to do really well. Um, we've had a lot of success. We've had, you know, um, we have a uh, diver uh, just went is now finish up for freshman year at uh, Yale. We've got one going off to Harvard this year and we've got another one going off to Harvard the next year. So we've got a lot of, you know, people getting set up with some really good uh, college opportunities they probably wouldn't have without diving. And so we take a lot of pride in that. And um, so, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> that awesome. Answer. No, perfect. Perfect. Um, so one of, one of the, I have three questions left. So one is what's your favorite drill to do with your athletes? Um, so one of the things is um, a lot of divers, when they do their hurdle, they, um, their foot um, isn't quite in the right place that I like to see it. So when they bring their knee up in the hurdle, I like to have the hurdle, the foot of the hurdle leg uh, right against the inside of the, the drive leg straight. Um, as I stick my finger uh, in the side of the leg and ask them to stick their, pick up their foot and step down behind my finger, if that makes any sense. So most I feel like most people do their hurdles and they, when they step down, they feel like they step down in front um, of or beside or in front of the drive leg, but I want them to step down and feel like their foot goes a little bit behind the drive leg. If you watch a lot of the video, you'll see a lot of the uh, elite divers that do the best hurdles. The foot actually goes a little bit behind the drive leg as it steps down to align with the with the drive leg. The hurdle foot does, um, and so that kind of like a lot of times if people have trouble figuring out the hurdle, I say I just kind of put my finger on the side of their drive leg, right above the knee. I said, pick up your hurdle foot, lift it up and put it behind your, my drive, behind my finger, behind my hand without knocking it out. Um, and uh, that kind of gives them the feeling of how, how that's supposed to feel. It's a very weird feeling that doesn't feel right. And I remember I've heard Olympic coaches say, this is what you don't want to do, but it's what I do because that's what I see the elite doing. And so that's what I train my divers to do. And it, it's, it, it it's, has a big impact in, in their diving if they can do a hurdle where their foot follows that pattern instead of doing uh, what most people do, which is stepping down more in front of the drive leg. Right. Okay. So my favorite question is what is the best advice you have either, either given or received? Um, as a college coach, I would say it was, um, I was, when I first learned spotting belt spotting, I learned it from Dick Kimmel, as I, as I mentioned. Um, and he was, you know, widely regarded as the best belt spotter in, in the world, um, at the time. And, um, anyway, he was also one of the top Olympic coaches for us. And, um, he said that you should always recruit for strength. And that's, that's, was probably the best advice I got, because if you can, if you can get a strong athlete, you can teach him how to dive, but if the dive, if the diver isn't strong, it's a lot, you know, it's, um, you can't, you can only get so far. So strength is very, very important. So if you can get someone that's a strong athlete, um, you can teach them how to dive. But if they don't have the physical strength to make the dives, then they're never going to be really competitive. So I'd say that's best. I like it. I like it. I'm writing that one down in the notebook for, for when I'm recruiting <laughs> kids this year, recruit strength. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, I just always, the, the most successful athletes that I had at Miami were the ones that I, you know, went to the, like I watched uh, either their recruit tape or I went to a meet and saw them dive. And if they jumped higher than most of the divers, even if their skills weren't that good, those are the ones I recruited, the ones that could jump the highest, could, you know, the ones that were the strongest. 
were the ones yep. I tried to recruit, even if they didn't have the same level of skill and didn't go in straight, didn't rip everything. I usually went for the strength. That's awesome. So, and then this is a new one we've been asking is who would you want to hear us interview next? Hmm. Um, I always like listening to John Wingfield. Um, uh, I, I, he's a very good friend from years, years, years back. Um, he's a great educator, great teacher, great speaker. Um, um, I, I, I've been doing some personal development stuff with uh, Drew Johansson recently. We've done some Skype stuff and uh, he's been really, really good. Um, yeah. And uh, Jeff Huber, um, the former Indiana coach, he just consistently turned no-name divers into great divers for years and years and years. And I'm always curious to hear, you know, what, how did he do it? <laughs> like, what was he doing that was different than what everyone else was doing that he was able to keep, you know, doing that on a consistent basis. Um, so, yeah, I, I, those are the people that jumped out at me. You know, I would have, rec- I would have recommended uh, Dave McCown. We already got him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So speaking right of John Wingfield and the Olympics, what kind of storylines are you excited for? Who are you excited to watch? You know, talk to me a little about, uh, about the Olympics coming up. Um, let's see here. Well, as I said, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of Tyler Downs. Uh, I love uh, I love Krista Palmer's diving. Uh, I, I followed her even as a trampolinist before she even switched to diving. I already knew who she was. <laughs> so when she switched to diving and became a great diver, I wasn't I wasn't really I was surprised she switched sports, but um, I knew she was you know she was already you know close to a world class athlete as a trampolinist. So that that was cool, and I just love her form. Just she, she's her form is just fantastic. Anyone that can just, you know, it has a lot of flexibility and, and great toe point, great lines. And, you know, that's those are the ones that, you know, obviously, uh, you know, draw my, my eye. Um, Mark, you know, I keep an eye on. I, I, I just appreciate, you know, his, his personality and, and uh, his heart. Uh, he's gone through a lot of uh, setbacks. And I, I just uh, love his diving and love his perseverance and, and, and love his diving. Um, um, you know, I'm trying to think here. Um, those those are probably the main ones that jump out at me. Um, I, I love you know the power of Jack Law. Um, the um, you know I'm not a big fan of I can't remember the top Chinese female diver's name. I can't pronounce it. I don't believe, but um, the the gold medalist. I wish she was a gold medalist in 2016. Uh, I, I love her entry. She's so accurate and she rips everything, but her form is not good. <laughs> her knees break a lot <laughs> on the takeoffs. Her feet are flat a lot. Um, and uh, um, anyway, uh, so, sometimes people do well in competitions, even though I don't like their diving. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always rooting for people that I feel like do it the right way. The ones with that have, you know, keep the good form and, and uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, put a little high, uh, high value on that. And so, um, the more aesthetic divers, the ones I tend to root for the, uh, the, the episode coming out tomorrow. So just one week prior to this one here, we, uh, we had this chance to sit down with Yona from, uh, from, yes. well, he's representing Jamaica and yes. we're just, we're so excited to cheer for somebody that we have had a face-to-face conversation with. I'm really, really pumped to see how he's going to do there. And yeah, that's kind of one of those guys that I'm, I'm all jacked up to watch. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I think Yona is awesome too. I, I met him at the 2019 Grand Prix and post a lot of videos of his diving because I'm a big fan too. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's a great guy. It's great to see it. You know, someone that tall and, 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 and he's just been so uh, he's got a lot of social media, a lot of uh, YouTube uh, um, vlogs and stuff and uh, followed a lot of those. And uh, just, I appreciate his vulnerability and his humility. And um, yeah. he's just shared a lot about, you know, the, the ups and downs and a lot of downs and just being very honest about that and not trying to put some Instagram spin on everything's great all the time. And I just, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. He and Steele Johnson are very much like that. Like they're, they're very vulnerable and very much offering up, you know, this, this was terrible. I did this horrible thing and uh, I, I suck. And, but then, you know, this is how I get back on the horse and this, how I get back into it and keeping a positive frame of mind. And, you know, those athletes that share those things, you know, you know, certainly get me wanting to root for them and, 
And yeah. so, uh, yeah, Absolutely. I, I'm a fan of Yona for sure. Good yes. deal. Well, Heath, did you have anything else for him? Just like everybody, thank you so much. You know, you, you, you're definitely uh, way more accomplished than we are. And maybe one day we'll, we'll be like you and someone will look up to us. But for us, it's, it's awesome getting the opportunity to speak with you and you taking the time to talk to us. So thank you so much, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. I like what you're doing. I like listening to these, uh, all of these uh, podcasts are great. I've been listening to all of them. Awesome. Well, th- thank you very much for that. And if anybody else is listening, Twitter, Instagram, hit us up. We are at the diving pod. Our Gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com. If you have a question for Todd, we'll, uh, we'll kind of forward that on to him. Hopefully get it answered, but uh, until next time, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it out there for now. <laughs>